0: The you are
1: listening to What Are you ready to truck it? I'm Dooner and it's Michael Vincent the Dude. Hey, up, man.
0: good afternoon, everybody! From the heart of Fred Halley, you know what, Duner? We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to sell like our Dogecoin. We're gonna have to pool our, sell our kidneys, pool all our money. The first Gibson oh. approved and 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 played by Les Paul himself is yeah. going up for auction at Christie's New York this October. How much? Uh, well,
1: it's going to auction. I don't know. a million
2: oh, probably. Yeah. I and guess it's going to be a bunch. Works. It's right. going
0: to take a bunch, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you don't have
1: to explain auctions to me. I'm like, I'll <laughs> say the auctions. You know, I, was, I was looking at something. So on Apple Music, they had they had this little section on there, and it was like the 60 days, like the best 60 days in music. And check out this Murderer's Row of albums. August right. to October 1991. Metallica, the Black Album. Pearl Jam 10, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, Nirvana's Nevermind, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic, Sound, Garden, Bad, Motorfinger. Can you think of a better 60 Days in Rock.
0: That is really, really, really strong. All I can do is hope to come up with something almost as good. And I I looked. So January or May and June 1970, Jackson 5, ABC. Now, it's it's kind of eclectic, but Jackson 5, ABC, Beatles, Let It Be, The Who, Live at Leeds, Johnny Cash, World of Johnny Cash, Deep Purple, Deep Purple in Rock, Procol Harum, Home, Bob Dylan, Grateful Dead, Working Man's Dead, Uriah Heap, Rod
1: Stewart, and Woodstock, Meh, doesn't compare. Fraser
3: Good Game had a decent one. <laughs> I
1: Fraser Good Game had a really good con- contender. September to November 1969, the band, the band, their self titled release. The Beatles, Abbey Road, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin 2, uh, uh, CCR's Willie and the Poor Boys, David Bowie, Space Oddity, the Allman Brothers self titled album. Allman Brothers Band. <laughs> what do you think?
0: I, I think it's very strong. Contender. I'm sticking
1: with 91. It's my childhood, but a like, uh, good try, Fraser. I'm going
0: with sixty-nine
1: seventy. Hey, by the way, you may have seen the news Tesla. Tesla's a robot coming out. They say, prototype 2022, they show this guy off at their uh, AI day. Look look at the tail of the tape, though. Um, Elon Musk was very, I think he realized how scary this thing looks and how uncanny valley it is. Because he was saying, like, ooh, if this thing were to come after you, uh, (laughs) uh, you could could outrun it. Because it's, you know, it only goes five miles an hour. It's a lightweight. It's 125 pounds. It's weak. It can only deadlift 150 pounds. With his arm extended, it can only carry 10 pounds. Yeah. No, no, you take this thing in a heartbeat. You gonna buy one? <laughs> uh huh. You gonna buy one? I think it'd
0: be fun to have one, man. Make him go get me. Well, can he borrow? Yeah, he could carry a six pack.
1: You're, you're not scared of this kind of stuff? No. I'm a little technophobic of, of like the robots. Are these just like the humanoid form of it just just scares me.
0: Ah, no, I, I don't know. No, I think it's cool. So, I think it's cool. I'm
1: not scared. Well, this is what's called down. anarchy in the supply chain. Part of the anarchy is look at all these ships out in the water right now. Yeah. There's 40 ships at anchor in San Pedro Bay. Let's take a look at this picture here of all these ships at anchor in San Pedro Bay. 40 of them there. But here's the bad part, right? So remember when we dropped down to like 11, like a month or two ago, yeah, 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 yeah. and then it quickly shot back up to sure. 30. Well, almost overnight, it jumped up to 40. And know what's also happening here, and why this is going to start compounding, is that for all of July, the average wait time was four to five days at anchor for those boats. So you get there, you throw down the anchor, you sit there for four to five days. Now it's over a week. It's 7.1 days mm-hmm. as of today mm-hmm.
2: that That's you're stuck awful. at
1: that anchor. That's only going to go up because this is August peak season freight. More and more boats are going to be showing up. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You would think so. I mean, uh, the only thing you can uh, no I
0: can't even say it because I mean, just, you know, shutdowns in China, the ports slow it down. No, it's 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 a mess, man. It's going to take years to get this unraveled like it's like that car wreck in the the loop around Atlanta. It happens yesterday, but you still got traffic jams today. It's crazy. Well,
1: in today's episode, we'll try to make sense of it all. We have a number of great guests. We're going to get to the news. But before we get there, let's tip the band. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at tell them, Dude. Hey, go to Locomation.ai for turnkey solutions right after the show. Headlines! <laughs> supply chain anarchy is a gold mine for ocean carriers like yeah. Zim. You saw his 40 vessels out there. Nightmare for shippers, freightmare for logistics managers. Mm-hmm. Money, money, money. For Zim, Greg, Greg, Miller reports: Israeli ocean carrier Zim blew away all analysts' forecasts on Wednesday, posting blockbuster earnings for its second quarter and revealing a massive increase in its full-year guidance. That's right, Zim has moved fast to squeeze the most short-term gain out of what CEO Eli Glickman described as anarchy. In the world of supply chain, and like David versus Goliath, it continues to outperform much larger ocean carriers like MERSC and fronts, which is saying something because those ocean carriers have also boasted blockbuster earnings.
0: Oh, yeah, they absolutely have. So to outplay them and call it David versus Goliath is unbelievable. Zim, look at it. $880 million for Q2 uh, 2021 compared to $25 million in Q2 That's 2020. Insane. It's insane, dude. That's Earning- what, $853 million more. As you get some coin, man. Wow. We might be able to get that Gibson with. Oh,
1: eight hundred sixty-three million more. Eight hundred sixty-three
0: <laughs> million more. Eight hundred sixty-three million more dollars, right? So their earnings per share was seven forty, which was well above their consensus forecast of six hundred five. Adjusted earnings before interest, EBITDA, was one point three four billion, far exceeded expectations of eight hundred ninety million. A uh, home run. None, none it was, was said by, uh, wh- how do you pronounce this? Fernley's, sh- oh, Fernley Securities. The carrier also nearly doubled its guidance for y- full year earnings, an epic increase, said Jeffrey's analyst, Randy
1: Gibbons. Unbelievable Beautiful. stuff. Man. Yeah. So Andrew Cox, senior retail, uh, oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> Jumped ahead right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for looking Zim strategies, right? Spot yeah. rates, everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. Zim has outperformed larger players, like you mentioned. Uh, yeah. Amazon. Amazon doing their own stuff. Amazon now wants to reinvent the in-store shopping experience. Brian right. Street reports the long rumored Amazon move into malls could uh, could be coming soon, according to a new report. The Wall Street Journal, citing p- people familiar with the matter, reported on Thursday that Amazon plans to open several retail locations in Ohio, in California. Not at first, they have those Amazon stores that you you can walk into if you have a Prime account. You you know, there's no registers, the automated yeah, stores. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in Dedham, Massachusetts, at Legacy Place, they've had a bookstore for a while that also had like. Echo products and and goods like that, but this seems like it's more of a Department store experience it's going to be about like thirty thousand square feet, a little less than one third the size of a traditional department store, and it came to a Best Buy location. Show it sounds like they'll be doing some showrooming.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's a showroom. According to the newspaper sources, said it's unclear what brands Amazon will offer in the stores, although the company's private label goods are expected to be featured to be featured prominently. I imagine that's right. In month in recent months, Amazon has been linked to the possibility of opening, or has actually opened physical pharmacy locations, like you mentioned, grocery stores, bookstores, and expanding Amazon. Go convenience stores, which are pretty cool as well. Uh, and, they, and they acquired uh, Whole Foods, too. So they're not, a, they're not afraid of brick and mortar.
1: Yeah, and our own Andrew Cox, you may have seen him on here on, on Wednesday, Senior Retail and Market Analyst for FreightWaves. He said the thought of physical stores is more evidence of retail convergence taking place in the marketplace. The Wall Street Journal uh, chimed in, too. They said Amazon could use the new locations as a promotional vehicle for its latest gadgets, as a way to offer customers the opportunity to try and close before purchasing, and to serve as a central location for returns. And, hey, here's a counterpoint, though. Here's a counterpoint Ooh, for all those little disruptors out there for the next Amazon of the world. Here's your opportunity. The big, lumbering giant, the big, nasty giant is starting to, starting to anchor himself down a little bit, maybe. Uh, starting to, but, you know, you're, so, you're Amazon. What do you do? Eventually, you get so big as a company, you end up having to do everything. Because how do you expand? How do you grow?
4: Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: But it could slow them down. But now, that, now what, the, the kind of irony is now you're going to go in. Like, you used to go in, like, Walmart or Target or Best Buy. You look at the product, then you look it up on Amazon. You just order it on Amazon. That's exactly what you well, do. Well, now what do you do? You go in the Amazon store and then see if it's cheaper look it on up on Walmart. Walmart. look it up on walmart That's a good, maybe it's a cheaper walmart all right well we have a guest coming on right now it is uh jennifer gren she's the chief revenue officer over at um osia am i saying that right jennifer asia oh is she muted
3: it's an italian music term um when you have a very complicated piece of music they write in osia which is a simplification of that line of music
0: Ah, that's the line for me. I need the simplified one. I want the (laughs) OCF. Very nice. Did you name the the company
1: yourself?
3: I did not. Our founder, Hatem Zain, named the company back in 2013.
1: Now, Jennifer, you're doing some wild stuff. And like, if you have a cell phone, you're probably you have an iPhone. You've probably heard of like the wireless charging pads, right? You can put them on like a wireless uh, on a charging pad, and it'll and it'll go there. But you still have to leave it on the thing. But one of the things you guys are working on is using IoT to uh, electrify things. If I understand it correctly, right? Wirelessly deliver power. Uh, tell me, tell me about that.
3: It is. It's wireless delivery of power. We like to talk about it as power like Wi-Fi, but instead of sending data, we send power. So you have the equivalent of a Wi-Fi router, which we call a transmitter, and a chip, hopefully built into your phone or into any of the IoT devices that might be in your home, and when in proximity of the transmitter, they just receive power.
0: It's amazing. You know, I first read about this type of stuff. I think that some students in Stanford actually passed something over, passed something, and and accidentally powered something like years back or so. Very, very small stuff. Now you're sending... It's how does this actually work? Yeah. I mean, electricity is flying through the air into this device. How, how what's happening here?
3: It doesn't sound so good when you put it like that. Yeah, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> but it's interesting.
3: <laughs> so we're using radio frequency again, just like Wi-Fi. We have systems working on two point four and five point eight gigahertz. Again, similar to your Wi-Fi routers, um, and we are we're sending power um, in a reflected beacon. So let me explain. You're in a room and your phone says, Hey, I need power. It will send out a really low BLE like, like beacon. It's a Bluetooth like beacon. And that's going to bounce off the walls, the ceiling, the roof, anywhere that there's a reflective path. And whatever path of that beacon lands on the transmitter, power is sent back in that exact direction. So if a person is between the phone and the transmitter, power is never sent back through that, that path. So there's never power being sent through a person. It's only sent through reflective paths to reach the intended device. That's very cool. So does it change if that. you get in the way?
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. Like if you were like if you're taking a phone call in the shower or something, you're not going to suddenly like get, get electrified.
3: No, you're definitely not going to get electrified. <laughs> um, I'll just you know take that phone call in a
1: shower, you, dude. I just going to say, you? <laughs> you never know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh we don't condone shower phone calls um but if you are on the phone walking around um talking while you're moving around your house we can track where just and and send power just to the phone so we can track you while you're moving um that that beacon power conversation that i just described happens about a hundred times a second so unless you're running faster than usain bolt we can track your phone
1: So So let's say we have, like, a a standard iPhone. Like, I plug in my iPhone, what, like, a half hour, right, from, like, 20% to get to full. How long does it take to, like, would it take to charge a typical iPhone's battery with a device like this?
3: So we're trying to kind of reformat that mentality. This is not a fast charge. No. Um, so we want to have wireless power available to you in your home, in your car, in your office, in your coffee shop, etc. So you're getting power throughout the day. So you're not worried about the fast charge. Mm. It's just that you're always getting topped up.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's, con- it's more constant <laughs> power than a
3: charge, right? Does this, right. Does this, so do, does this take care of batteries eventually? It could. Um, we certainly do run battery-less IoT devices. Um, currently, we're working on ESL electronic shelf labels for retail environments. They just have a super capacitor in them. So it's constantly receiving power, and you don't have to store power in a battery. That said, if you ha- if your device has a battery um, for like a higher power, you're going to need a battery in your phone, we could probably reduce the capacity of that battery. In fact, um, you know, the movie Minority Report and Tom Cruise is on the transparent screen, moving everything around with his fingers, Mm -hmm. Um, that transparent screen could be possible with wireless power because we could print on transparent antennas uh, and reduce the need for a battery. The battery is what makes it opaque.
1: Th- that movie was a bit dystopian, Jennifer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <It was. laughs> Not the Tesla
1: robots, but I like the way you explain it because it's like sipping water instead of instead of like chugging a gallon at once. Yeah. You're, you're sipping throughout the day to keep the phone or the, or the battery hydrated, if you will, in this metaphor. Uh, what kind of what's the distance and, and how far away can you be? And also, could this be mobile? Is this something that like you could put a transmitter maybe in a semi truck?
3: Yes. In fact, you can. So we're sending power five to 10 meters. However, just like Wi-Fi, the farther away you get from your router, the less data connection you get. Same for this power. Um, the farther away you get, the less power you get. So somewhere out at 10 m- meters, we're looking at milliwatts, which is certainly not enough to charge a phone, but it is enough to keep you know a constant trickle as well as power IoT devices. But certainly for a semi-truck, there's a couple different things we could do and that we're working on right now. Uh, One is trailer tracking. Uh, where we can actually help power a tracking device that might be put on the chassis of a truck while it's in a distribution center. The other is we're talking to companies who might want to build transmitters into the cabin of the truck to power multiple sensors throughout the truck. So you can reduce weight for wire harnessing, you could reduce disposable battery turnover, all of those things.
0: So, Jennifer, it, it, you, you talk about the 10 meters, which is not a small distance, really, when you're talking about powering yeah. something over the air, obviously. But so are, are there devices and things like uh, that would that could be lit up? Now, I know it's not fast charging, but there, there's got to be small enough power uh, consumption, et cetera, to where if it's close enough to the transmitter, it just lights it up when it's in use, Right.
3: Absolutely. And so there's a cloud interface, of course, so you can determine the priority of which devices receive power, as well as saying, I only want this device to be powered from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. uh, because nobody's using it. We can light it up, as you say.
0: Wow. Wow. So what's the potential for this? Are we potentially driving down the road in an electric car that's being powered by the road? Ooh.
3: I've heard that's an option. That is not what our technology does. Um, Asya's technology is called Coda, but we focus on much smaller, like lower power devices, you know, phones and under phones and IoT devices. Um, There are some companies that are working on lighting up your electric car while driving down the road and or like a a power mat. Um, That's just, that's not what we're working on.
1: But it's great because like if you're in an office, you could have you know, your stats moving around your iPads or something like that. You don't have to go and charge it every, like, three, four hours if you're yeah. doing heavy use because you're constantly yeah. getting those sips of, of water or yeah. sips of energy. Now, let's talk about IoT a little bit. How, you your, your team are experts in this. Where do you see IoT fitting into the supply chain insofar as your development of stuff is going?
3: So IoT, they you hear these crazy forecast numbers, you know, we're going to get to a billion IoT devices by 2030 or something like that. And, and we would like to contend that that's not possible without wireless power. You simply can't run that much copper wiring or put that many disposable batteries in all of these sensors. So um, throughout the supply chain, I think we're looking a lot at asset tracking, um, a lot of the sensors that are delivering ongoing data, um, the health and battery sensors that might be on a truck. Uh, We could track a pallet throughout its entire journey through the supply chain. So I think all of the IoT devices are really good fit for wireless power. Um, All it takes is an antenna and a coda chip and be in the proximity of a transmitter and you can receive power.
1: And for people not familiar with IoT, it's, it's Internet of Things. And yeah. you can tell me if, I, if I'm explaining this properly. But in simplest terms, there's the Internet for humans, right? You go in, you need information, you go to web links. IoT is almost like the Internet for devices. They yeah. send each other information, they go to, they, and then they can go and collect that information and know how to work and collaborate and communicate with one another. Is that about it?
3: A perfect explanation
0: <laughs> it is a perfect explanation and and uh uh so jennifer the 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 environmental or the green effect that you this could potentially have is tremendous right i mean you're looking at that are you looking at those numbers there is iot devices like you said cannot expand to those levels with disposable batteries with this they can but you're also going to prevent or get rid of a lot of disposable batteries right
1: yeah
3: That's right. That's absolutely right. So on these small IoT devices, so the sensors, temperature, humidity, um, uh, speed sensors even, all of that can be powered through wireless power using a supercapacitor. So in that case, you don't need a battery at all. But for those devices where you do have a larger power draw, maybe you want to store some power in a battery, um, we can power it all the time. We call it the forever battery. So the consumer example would be you have AA batteries in your fire detector at home, your smoke detector. Um, And at three in the morning, it always chirps at you when it's running out of batteries. <laughs> yes, you have to get is. out of bed. You have to go take care of it. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> this means that those AA batteries, if they were code enabled, could receive power the entire time. Your smoke detector will never chirp at you in the middle of the night.
1: Wow. That's no, worth the money right there. So wait, you <laughs> think the consumer version is like, so can you can you buy these now or is this on market?
3: Yeah, so ASIA is a technology licensing company. Uh, So we work with some of these major manufacturers to integrate the technology into it. Um, We are working with some of the major battery manufacturers. Uh, I think that you'll see some announcements around that in the next year, 2022. Um, Right now we're looking at enterprise and kind of supply chain rollouts. So we are piloting with some of the largest retailers on their distribution centers for that trailer tracking that I mentioned earlier. Um, And that includes a Coda wirelessly powered box and the only reason it's in a box is because it's sitting outside at a truck gate and associate would take a tracker from the box that's been fully charged place it on a truck and that it can be tracked anywhere throughout the distribution yard um and it's pinging with gps and we're working with our partner sensata to build that so that's out in market right now
1: it's a brave that's new world jennifer uh how do people learn more information where should we send them to
3: www.ossia.com. That's spelled dot A.com.
1: Jennifer, thank you so wow. much for your time today. Have a wonderful weekend.
3: Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Jennifer. Well,
0: wow. Yeah, she I'm, I'm going to, my house is going to be powered Wi Fi. I'm going to have powered Wi-Fi as soon as I can. That she is, is so great. cool.
1: You know, I liked it too because I understood everything she was saying. Yeah. yeah. It didn't go over my head. I was like, yeah, I'm totally following <laughs> along here. Here's another guy I can follow along with, even though he's a really smart man and a professor. It's Daniel Stanton. Some people mm-hmm. call him Mr. Supply Chain. I call him the Lord of Anarchy. He's here right now. Daniel. I just
0: I just call him I just call him Sir.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Now who's the one taking phone calls in the shower? And then what? you're calling me the Lord of Anarchy? Right.
0: That's an anarchy t-
2: some people like it. They they hear the ambience, they think you're in a waterfall yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. You know, it makes you sound posh. It makes you sound like I'm an exotic location. <laughs> Doner and the dude. Guys, it's been so long. It's like getting the three amigos back together. It's great to see you. It's been hey, too man.
1: long. That's why um you know Delta variant's raging, right? And um it's weird, even though we're in this virtual world. Like suddenly, like I, we're starting to have guests once more. Like I have, I have, you know, I have an issue. I, you know, I, I, I might have a. Delta, a lot of people concerned about health right now. Um, uh, you jumped right in the grave, though. Not that the person had COVID or, or fell in a grave. That's what I'm saying. But, you're in the middle of lecture. See, the awesome thing about Daniel Stanton is, if you call him, he's a man who answers the phone. Yes, right? he is. And I called him up and I said, Daniel, got an opening for you. And you're like, I'm in the middle of a lecture. What was the lecture, by the way?
2: Um. Oh, man. So, you know, I'm working on my, on my doctorate over at Cranfield University. And and uh, so this lecture was about the impact of time in academic research. Right. And and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a real practical down to earth guy. Right. I mean, I'm I'm the, the the dummies guy for supply chain. But but it was. um Actually, I mean, this was a good stretch for my brain because, you know, part of what they were talking about is, you know, most of us think about time in terms of, you know, there was a past and there's a future, and we're living in the present, and these things are all linear. But the argument that they were making is that you can actually look at events that occur as sort of um, as actors that interact with each other. And, and the example that I was thinking about, you know, from this last year is, you know, for example. I might look at my company and my supply chain and see you know, a shutdown in China and how does that affect me in time, and then look at the blockage in the Suez Canal and how does that affect my supply chain. But a totally different way of looking at it is to say, okay, you have this you know, event in China and this event in Egypt, and how did they interact with each other, and how did that affect all the rest of us? Right. Daniel, so that Daniel was, by the that way, but, the but Daniel, I gotta that's say something.
1: Please don't invoke the uh don't invoke the bad spirits. This the ever given is literally ah. moving through the Suez yeah. Canal right don't now. As up, I'm not kidding, empty, that's not a joke.
2: empty right so, <laughs> yeah, but it, oh.
1: I mean would it be funny or would it be a disaster if it if it got stuck again?
2: Yes. It was, I, it was, I, yes. I, I gotta say, <laughs> I, I miss I miss the images of the hydraulic excavator. And like the Twitter the account one. for you know the, the the guy running the excavator <laughs> at, at the Evergiven.
0: Um, So tell us about these. So,
2: a
1: bunch of things going on in this space. And there's so many intermediaries. And you you focus on supply chain management, which can be the hardest part. Because, you know, you talk about the disruption that goes on in the Suez Canal. Then you talk about the 40 ships that anchor in there. And then how that disrupts the rail yard and the port yard and the trucking companies and the distribution centers. And ultimately, all the retailers. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Daniel. But retailer after retailer is putting out memos to customers. And you know what they're leading off talking about? The supply chain. Earnings call after earnings call. Know what they're blaming? The supply chain. The world is paying attention finally to supply chain
2: it's absolutely true and i'll i will confess i take it a little bit personally i've seen a few of these interviews now where where like the news anchor will say well our supply chains have failed so what are you people going to do about that right (laughs) as if it's supply chain managers it's our fault uh you know like coronavirus is our fault um and and i look at it and i say supply chains haven't failed at all supply chains did exactly what we designed them to do, right? Um, but the, the thing that I think is so interesting, um, it, you know, when, when we sort of look broadly at, at how we've all learned supply chain through our careers and then how we teach supply chain to folks that are coming into the careers, you know, three years ago, um, the so much of the focus was around optimization, right? How do you increase efficiency and lower costs and and, and at the end of the day, that's just trying to get a supply chain that's balanced, that's mm. smooth, that runs in steady state. And, and what we've seen in the last two years is there are just so many things that can cause disruptions and cause it to go out of balance that we've really had to shift our focus to just how do you keep the thing moving, right? How do, how do you manage these risks, anticipate these risks, try to be flexible, To your point, so that, I mean, you have products to sell to your customers, so that you have inputs to run your factory. So, I mean, if you can do that cheap, that's great. But at the end of the day, if you can't do it, you you got no business to run.
0: You don't. So, Daniel, is the argument that, you know, all those efforts for many years making it as optimal as it possibly could, just in time, as cheap as possible, everybody wants their goods now, but they want them cheaply, as, as cheap as possible, didn't that set it up for the failures of, 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 of the, the disruption of COVID?
2: Yes and no, right? I, I mean, I... I if what you want is cheap, then, you know, you tend to to get rid of redundancy and you tend to concentrate things. So you get economies of scale. Right. And so that was our objective function in mathematical terms. That's what we designed them for. And that's what all of our decisions were based around. Now there are companies that did a better job of saying, um, flexibility has a value, right? We want to have options. We want to have different things that we can do. Inventory is an option. Um, Alternate suppliers are an option. Um, Multiple modes of transportation, right? Truck versus rail versus air versus ocean. Those are all options. So there are companies that, you know, in their supply chain decision making gave themselves options and were willing to spend money to do that. And, And those options have paid off. Those have had a good return on investment. Ironically, I think Toyota is one that's done a better job than most of that because it isn't just about efficiency it's also about resilience right it's also about flexibility and adaptability um what will be interesting you know if you if you think about it as a pendulum right and and it's probably not fair to do it exactly this way but we can simplify it and say you know you have efficiency on one end and you have complete efficiency on one side complete flexibility on the other we probably swung further towards efficiency than made sense. If we were at all concerned Mm -hmm. about resilience Um, now after, you know, two years of nonstop getting punched in the head, it it definitely feels like we're, we're moving towards building up more inventory and, and investing in more flexibility. Um, It'll be interesting to see how far the pendulum goes that direction. And when it starts to come back, because at the end of the day, Having too much flexibility is a waste, too. Right? Yeah, I was going to say,
0: it, a, how, how do you prevent it from you know steering a, a boat like a like a car and and just keep swaying back and forth? Like you said, like that right. pendulum.
2: It, yeah. It's exactly like buying insurance, and this goes back to my lecture from the, the, that I was watching this morning. It's you know the the future is uncertain, and so we have to make plans and make decisions today based about our guesses for the future. But we also have to understand, like, we don't really know. And so um, no matter what we guess, odds are that we're wrong. Um, So, you know, try to guess within a range and then be flexible enough that you can adapt when you see what really happens.
1: Well, Daniel, you have set the table really well for the next two guests we're going to have on as well, because we're going to be talking about executing that digital strategy and risk mitigation through insurance. Before I let you go, though, give us a hot take on Amazon opening two brick and mortar locations.
2: It makes perfect sense to me. I I, I don't think anybody could be surprised. I don't think there's one benefit that's driving it. I think there are a ton of benefits. I've made the argument. I think we've had this conversation. Amazon is a supply chain company, right? Yeah. They're not a retailer. They're not an internet company. They are a supply chain company. This is just building out the next leg in their supply chain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, send him Great to the wheel. Send oh, yeah. that man yeah. to the wheel of stupid Daniel questions. Daniel goes to
2: the wheel for sure.
1: The wheel of stupid questions is—I uh, don't know how we it's take Steelers a choice. My how friend. we make him a fish out of water? Choice. Steelers. Steelers. Then I'll take it. All right, it's let's oh, make it topical. Man. The Steelers Tesla talk. robot has engaged you in battle. It's just walking in the office, and it's just—it only goes five miles an hour, so it's—it's it's, uh, slightly power walking towards you. Uh, how do you take it down?
2: <laughs> Holy cow! Um, is it powered by, like, this Ossia thing? Yeah, can I, yeah, th- could can I hop in the shower? Is that, is that going to get me there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I can tell you, you can only deadlift 125 pounds. It can only uh, arm lift 10 pounds. So I think you could just, like, clothesline or spear tackle it, and right? You'd probably walk up and just push it, Yeah, <laughs> and it would fall yeah. over. It's it's totally just clothesline true. the heck out of it, Daniel. I don't
2: that, think that's, it. The, the, that's the public stuff, right? You don't know what the real classified specs yeah, are. Yeah, I know. That thing yeah. would take... All three of us down with one arm tied yeah. behind well, us.
1: Suddenly it's a T-1000, right? Uh, Daniel, tell right? everyone Tell everyone where they can get your book before we let you go. Uh,
2: I think in the new Amazon retail stores you're going to be <laughs> stocking um, An uh An end cap display. Right? Uh, Amazon.com, of course, or, or you can check out my website, DanielSanton.com. I've got links to the book and also to my library, of course, is on LinkedIn Learning. So anybody that's uh, got a LinkedIn membership can watch my support chain and project management courses on linkedin that's a benefit of linkedin membership amen you're done see you later daniel have a good weekend thanks daniel i would like to
0: make sure that the record shows that his reaction or his his answer to taking down the robot was to go hide in the shower
1: well i, I also think that um he does not necessarily trust elon trying to play down the uh, downplay the, uh, yeah he, defense he's not buying the friendly it probably setting, knows judo huh? You know, yeah. like it's like Neo yeah. in the Matrix. You could just download, like, fighting information to this thing.
0: He's not He's not buying that friendly next to well, the setting.
1: With fully furnished, state-of-the-art repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest, and most painless response from your fleet from Love's Truck Care and Speed Co. Learn more at Tell'em, Dude. Hey, go to loves.com immediately after this show. How about we talk to Steve Shabuski He's the VP of Digital Strategy over at Blue Horseshoe, also a Miss- Michigan State... Graduate, hey. go Spatty, go Sparty. Good afternoon. <laughs> so, What's how I you doing? Hey, I was looking at your background, and and but Michael Vincent were getting we uh, were getting curious when we were cyber stalking you because you went to you went to Michigan State University for chemical engineering, and you took mm. an internship at 3M, and then you did not go into chemical engineering. So I, my question was, how mm. bad was 3M?
4: Oh, well, uh, great question. I, I So I, uh, I took a job there at the internship, and um, it was the dot-com boom. I, all my friends were doing other things. And I showed up, and they were like, oh, here's some billboard film, uh, and we want you to go uh, test it like nine billion different ways, spray it, make it cold, stretch it. So I collected data for three months. I handed it to some engineer, and then they gave me another strand, and I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> This isn't gonna, gonna float my boat, so uh, I jumped into technology uh, right away and just basically trashed four really hard work years of hard work in college <laughs> and uh, learned everything again. So that, yeah, that's a good question. That's that's kind of how it went down, though.
1: Well, you are a great resource for us because Michael Vince and I we have not I've not jumped into Microsoft Dynamics 365 integrations in in a while, and maybe a no. lot of the audience have hasn't a lot. I know a lot of people shopping tech right now; they need integrations, a lot of different sources. So, give us a primer on it, a little a little entry level introduction to Microsoft Dynamics 365 integration and what it can do for us.
4: Yeah, so uh, you know, uh, since you know last five years and. You know, the Microsoft has really kind of changed direction. If you look at the Office products and things, and on-premise software, they've really done you know a lot of work uh, in Azure, lift and shift, move things into the cloud. And and as they've done that, they've also come up with a um, you know a nice brand of business applications called Dynamics. And so Dynamics is now spans CRM, it spans commerce, it spans retail. Um, you know, B2B, B2C solutions, finance, operations, manufacturing solutions, um, like I said, traditional CRM. And so the beauty of of what they've really done with this this business application suite is they've connected it to traditional productivity tools, obviously the office suite and teams and things like that. But underneath holistically, they've also connected it to, you know, a single data source uh, called Dataverse, which allows them to really allows customers to start anywhere in that journey of business apps whether it be crm or a finance and operations module you know define a product define a customer and then uh, it's defined once for all those business applications in in uh, in a centralized place and really be able to to land and expand into into other areas as well Uh, and you get backed by the entire you know azure backbone so integration services machine uh, learning services over your data and then ultimately, they've built out a whole power platform to allow folks to, to mine that data, create your own apps, uh, visualizations, and analytics through Power BI visualizations. So really, just a whole suite of capabilities there uh, that um, you know leveraging all the cloud technology has really changed the game for for folks um, you know leveraging uh, that platform. So that's kind of the high level um, Microsoft story.
0: Wow, it's it's amazing. It sounds exactly what a lot of people need because they bring in all these different types of tech, and none of them speak to each other, right? Yeah. They bring in all these. They got all this different data. So, how does one go about initializing this, right? We've a lot of people have bad data, and they have this siloed data. So, how do they start breaking it down?
4: Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. It's and it's uh it's it's part of like how we you know engage customers and prospects into into their digital transformation journey, right? So. When we think about digital transformation, it's really not only the business applications, but like you talked about, uh, it's the data, it's the analytics, it's the KPIs, and the integrations. And so, um, you know, the 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 ability to start anywhere is critical, because you can really, um, you know, define that journey. Uh, when I started in this in this in this business of of uh, applications and supply chain and things, you know, the the thing was these big monolithic implementations of an enterprise system that was supposed to do everything for you. Um, And that's, you know, folks are just not tolerant of that anymore. You know, CIOs want, um, you know, incremental benefit and things of that nature. So it's really about looking at where do you see on the business application side, where do you see immediate impact, uh, help folks implement those things, and then really come up with a data strategy to, to connect to all your best of breed systems, bring that data together, um, you know, to to and smash it together to really enable your your employees and your folks that are helping you run the business to to really measure it uh, and analyze it and deal with exceptions. So it's really about leveraging you know Azure Data Lake technology, bringing that together, modern data warehouse tools like Azure Synapse, and then creating those visualization tools centrally, and then start hooking in business apps uh, that make sense that for your business and or connecting to the best in in class solutions through integration strategy and still centralizing that data on a common platform. So that's really kind of how we do it. Um, with with our customers and incrementally try to help them uh, achieve some value in those in those processes
1: now, now see sometimes on linkedin i read posts from on uh, negative nancy and downer dan and yeah. and that whole cohort <laughs> of people and they say stuff like especially in logistics supply chain there's a lot of cynics there's a lot of tech cynics in logistics and supply chain there's a lot of dinosaurs they're afraid of it they don't know what to do with it and and, and granted it can be confusing right mm-hmm. but they sure. say really silly things like look at all this congestion much good technology didn't it's, it's all about relationships well how much better would your relationships be if you could communicate this congestion and these standstills in a much easier and tech-enabled way where your systems are communicating to each other? So you can let that customer know, let that retailer know that these disruptions are there, and you can spell out this narrative to them instead of just being like calling them up and saying, Well, your thing's late. Which yeah. happens all the time in logistics. Absolutely, it
4: does. A- am I wrong? No, I mean that's a great point. I thought um you guys were just talking in the last section about. Um, You know the Suez Canal and uh, you know the disruptions in China and different types of things. And it's like, hey, what if I what if I had a platform um, of information and connectivity with my with my trading partners, Uh, like like you guys mentioned, all the actors. I like that uh, that term. Um, And I was able to to really collaborate on these events um, and and figure out how how I want to resolve them with my partners on a collaborative platform. So we talk about Integration, obviously, connecting systems, but not just point to point, but uh, but really sharing information, workflow, and, and working with your logistics partners when those events happen, to, to decide how you're going to mitigate those those events and and where you're going to go from there. So I think the technology has really enabled folks to 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 not only connect systems but actually collaborate um, and deal with those types of events. Uh, those event sort of exceptions um, and, and figure out better ways to move forward uh, than just sit and wait. Right. So I think, um, you know, that's, that's one of the keys. I think that that cloud and technology has really started to bring logistics in the, in the last five or six years,
1: you know, and it's getting to the point where we don't even think about it being like it's in the cloud. I mean, it just becomes standard. It becomes table stakes. And, and oh, yeah. not having it, you get left behind. You're those dinosaurs stargazing at that asteroid waiting for <laughs> it to come down and set your world aflame. And you become extinct. Yeah. Just waiting for right. it to happen. And there's companies that do it. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. Hey, this is the kind of conversation, though, someone has to have. It's very unique to their own circumstance. So where should we send them to if they want to learn more from you?
4: Yeah, um, yeah come check us out at Blue, uh, at Blue Horseshoe. It's www.bhsolutions.com. Uh, we'd love to uh, engage folks. So just you know, click on some of the various links there and uh, different types of um, you know, engagements we can help you with, whether it be data, uh, BI, uh, applications, et cetera. So, yeah, um, check us out there and appreciate the time there. It's been great. Thanks, Steve. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. Oh, oh we missed. Oh, uh, I think he well, was going to say, uh, that's, how to, that's like the cliffhanger. We'll have to have a seat. C- oh, wait, oh, he's there. back. Guys, I did I did I did want to just say when you guys were talking about the robot uh from uh Elon about t- 10 minutes ago, I literally said I'd I'd challenge him to a deadlift contest. So you Beautiful. and, then you, guys, <laughs> well, how and then you deadlift and then you did Uh this what? morning 400, Uh did I had five three one at the CrossFit Gym, ended up at 400. So I was like, uh it was it was it was top of mind. So I was like and I read that this morning. The de- the robot can only deadlift 150. Yeah. We can we can destroy him with with weights. There yeah, you no,
1: go. Like, what's the battery? Not <laughs> a grandmother. I like. What's going on here? Oh, thank, thank you yeah. once again, though. All right, fellas, have a good one. Go Sparty. Dig it. So, <laughs> That's er- what to say, Go Sparty. <laughs> earlier, Daniel Stanton he talked about tech like that, and he also mentioned insurance and risk mitigation. Yes. So happy to continue that conversation. We'll do it with an expert, and we'll talk to Mark Epperson. He's the uh, chief client officer. All right, on transport programs, he's a Murray State University alumnus, home to Gary Guthrie, the creator of the classic rock classic. His radio format and uh, Streisand, uh, Neil Diamond did. You don't bring me flowers he's say the anymore. Hey Gary Guthrie,
5: <laughs> yeah. Gary. Hey Mark. All right, what's up, man? Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for having me on. So how's it going? I <laughs> came up with a, with a Murray State reference that I don't think I've ever heard before. You, we usually always <laughs> get asked them all. And then we get, uh, you know, the brother from uh, There's Something About Mary. So that you broaden broadened my horizon. <laughs>
1: well, I like to hear it. Well, broaden our, broaden our horizons a little bit uh, on insurance. What do you folks do? And uh, what's, what's kind of top of mind right now?
5: Yeah, so in uh, in Aon Transportation programs, we, uh, we create capacity for uh, a number of segments in, uh, in transportation. A lot of that focusing on last mile or uh, small fleet, small to middle market trucking. Um, so we're we're trying to find some ways to uh, to help both our clients and the uh, insurance carriers create some better outcomes.
0: Yeah. So uh, what's going on? What's changing in the market right now?
5: Well, um, I think probably you've heard from just about every trucker that um, yeah, and it's auto liability or insurance is kind of the fourth or kind of fifth largest fixed cost they have, and it's it's been increasing dramatically over the past few years. And you know, it's for for a number of reasons. A lot of those have been have been well documented. I think the insurance industry has lost money and auto liability for it's like 10 or 12 years in a row. So it's been, it's been pretty rough, but you know, you think of nuclear verdicts, which, uh, which everybody knows about, I think some of the environmental factors out there, congestion, driver shortage and rise in demand. You think of some of the, the, the kind of exponential growth and last mile delivery. It's just, it's been a lot of um, kind of concurrent factors that have driven to a pretty, pretty tough spot for the insurance companies and for for transportation companies, so it's kind of a, it's an interesting time. It really, insurance companies are are, are kind of driving themselves, or, or, you know, starting to look at, at data and analytics and look at technology to, to to help them improve how they underwrite, um, you know, how they how they rate risk to to be able to to, to get the the outcomes I think a little more in line for uh, uh for themselves and for their clients.
1: Yeah, we had, uh, we had like, for example, we had Tive on uh, on Wednesday, right? Yeah. And they put the trackers on on shipments, and they can, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they keep track of temperature control and and disruptions. And there's other IoT sensors like this that that can tell you what damage happens. And whenever my dad, my dad is uh, from the world of marine cargo insurance, been out of the game a little bit, so he didn't have this kind of tech at the time when he was in it. But when he hears this show and he hears that kind of stuff, he's like, that sounds like a great pairing with insurance because it spells out the narrative to your underwriters.
5: It it absolutely does. It's an interesting thing, and and I'm and I focused, you know, on the trucking side a little bit more on the auto auto liability. If we think about how things were, how they looked at risk in the past, it was, um, you know, looking at losses, right, when something happened. Looking at an MVR, you know, when a driver happened to get caught doing something, and look at other, you know, inspection data, things like that. You would look at little snippets of time um, over, you know, ten or twelve years now with a you know with with telematics and cameras you have a complete picture of everything that goes on in that in a cab right in the cab of that truck uh, is a good example right and so you're looking at exponentially more data to be able to to evaluate a risk and so you know I, I look at it like it's the the whole kind of kind of the I guess the approach of historical performance will will predict future risk is is really you know it was a it was a great I guess it, it worked at the time and it was the best available, but now, mm-hmm. like you said, you can you can put a device in a truck and you know everything that's happening and you have a, a much better view of how somebody performs um rather than trying to, you know, look at when something happened to happened to occur in their past.
0: Yeah. So these dynamics and changes in the market, who's gonna be impacted by this most? What verticals do you think are gonna be impacted by that most and how?
5: You know, I I would look at I think I think kind of small to middle market truckers. Um, I look at owner operators. You look at last mile operators, and the reason we say that, you know, those are those those carriers are typically not taking a big a big retention. They're transferring most of the risk to the insurance industry or to an insurance carrier, and so it really is going to be the insurance carriers that are going to push some of these requirements. Right? They're going to they're going to want to see you know they're going to want to see telematics data. They're going to want to see cameras, and so it, it's going to you know, in the past, where it's been kind of a nice to have in the underwriting in a, in the underwriting process, you know, it's going to move to where it's it's really, you know, it's it's going to be a requirement. Like carriers are going to have to have that information; they're going to have to be able to provide it. And you know, if you looked at it two, three, five years ago, you know, this it it, it really wasn't a, a feasible thing to ask. But the the way the 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 technology has been improving of late, it you know you can get you can get credible telemetry data from an app, right? From a plug-in device. Um, on the trucking side, you can get it from from just about every ELD. And so the the proliferation of, of those devices and the and really the cost of those devices coming down has made this, you know, really, I think, kind of feasible for uh, for insurance carriers to require of of that smaller segment.
1: You know, and I think what a lot of people may not understand is how much insurance drives this kind of adoption, because if you can lower your risk, right, the underwriters look at you as a better prospect, sure. your rates go down, the tech becomes, you know, the tech just, it doesn't, it, your insurance is less, so it's already paying for itself, you're, you're being more safe, you're a better partner. I mean, all those things are true, correct?
5: Yeah, it's a great point. And, and I look at it, you know, I mean, you're, you're really aligning the interest, right, between the insurer and the motor carrier. The motor carrier becomes a better performer. They see their rates come down. Um, they, you know, they see some other correlating benefits too, right? When we when we talk about all the safety things and some of the the use of tech, I mean, it's the safety piece is great, but you know, you think of the improvements in maintenance and fuel efficiency. There's a lot of other kind of correlating benefits that ultimately go you know straight to the bottom line uh, of a of a motor carrier or any any transportation company and um, you know, I think we all see the the kind of turnover in this kind of space. You know, it's 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 a it's a tough business to to operate in, um, and if you can make yourself more efficient, more profitable, uh, you're going to be a lot lot more viable kind of ongoing concern.
0: Yeah, Mark. So they've got the they've got the data and they've got the devices, mm-hmm. but it's much much more than that, right? Isn't it? I mean, it's how they use that data as well. Would I would imagine would would help with the insurance and, and mitigate those risks, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it, especially on the On the client side right there's 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 data available everywhere but the the key part is how you use it you have to be able to organize that information in a way that's consumable like you can't you can't take in massive files if you're trying to operate a trucking company you know with with 10 units see there there are a number of platforms and a number of kind of tech providers that will will aggregate the data uh and distill it down to you know a score or, or something that, that where you can easily understand if your driver is performing well or not. And you can compare your drivers and it's, you know, it, it starts to become, you know, and this is, the market is going to be going here and this is the way truckers are going to have to go. It's going to have to be the the kind of key way they evaluate driver performance. Um, you know, we've, we've seen some of our clients even use it to, to, to kind of inform their, their driver pay and their driver bonuses. So the, you know, they, they, They log into the site we have, they look at their scores, they know the ones that are performing better, the drivers that are performing better are more profitable drivers for them so they're able to pay them more.
1: It's nice to get establishes some rules, you know, and the, the tech and the insurance and and for drivers a lot of the things when we look at like WorkHound they do all these driver sentiment surveys and and one of the things that drivers are always upset about are are things like uncertainty and drivers deal with that a lot they never know how long they're going to be the dog. they never know how much going to be in their paycheck because of the way that they're they're paid and if you can start giving them scorecards in ways that they can actually you know start to structure the their career and their day and their safety in the way that they drive you get much better outcomes and you get much better happy happier people because they don't feel like there's just just there's just this omniscient force that's that's putting a thumb down on them they actually they know that there's some parameters and some confines in which they need to behave This is gonna be a great conversation how do we send people your way to get more information
5: yeah come to www.carrierhq.com carrier hq is our partner in the, uh in the in our small fleet program and our last mile program so uh, come check us out
1: thank you so much and by the way i love the room that's like a what the truck red color you've painted that entire thing yeah if you I love it <laughs>
5: Hey, you know, just just trying to follow your themes there.
0: <laughs> have a great weekend. We <laughs> yeah, appreciate, we appreciate your time today.
1: <laughs> wow, good stuff. Well, before we let you go for the weekend, it's time for a little good news, bad news. Oh yeah, we do have some of that. It's time for a little good news, bad news. Oh, there it is. Uh, the bad news and good
4: news.
1: Alfredo over here. He needs. A, I need to put cast a new spell on him. Sometimes. Yeah, Elfrey, like, he nails the bumper, the, the, the wand. So this is an, an IoT-enabled a... wand, by the way. And you go you like, this, to is cast this is it. the bumper, you need to cast but not it. always. It might. The batteries might be running low. I might need one of those. You like, need a uh, coda. The, the coda. The, what, was it coda? I think that's For what it's Osea, The Asia coda. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is actually a really, this is This is not a, um, this, this is, is rough. This is very bad news, this, this <laughs> opening here. Uh, according to ABC7 News, a heartbroken family is mourning the loss of their loved one, who was killed on the 101 freeway in Encino after a wrong way crash. They say it was intentionally caused by the, uh, the driver of the, uh, the victim's husband, right? Um, the, fi- the victim, identified by family, is 26-year-old. It was Amy Garcia. She died Thursday after her husband drove his Lincoln SUV into oncoming traffic on the 101 near the 405 freeway and crashed into a tractor trailer shortly after 7 p.m. Let's take a look at this picture. Um, There is some good news, though. CDLF reports that Brandon Schwab, a 38-year-old UFC fighter, podcast host, and apparent cohort of the podcasting giant Joe Rogan, says he was heading to a restaurant in Encino, California with his wife when he encountered a serious wreck involving a semi-truck and an SUV. That same wreck happened to be this one here, the one intentionally caused by 31-year-old Cesar Iban Torres in an attempt to give his family to God. And this is what Schwab, the, the MMA fighter, said on his podcast, the guy who had, has said on the podcast the fighter and the kid who didn't counter this. And this is harrowing. He says right here, keep, keep that picture up. There's a six- or seven-year-old on top of the car waving for help, yelling for help. Like I'm like, babe, that's a beeping kid. She's like, just keep going. I'm like, no, it's a kid. Then he's pointing down, and there's two other kids in the car. The car's all beeping mangled, and there's one other guy there who's on the scene. Maybe it's a truck driver. I'm not sure, but me and him are the first ones on the scene. There's two kids, and there's a bigger kid, and he keeps going, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I go, you're not going to die, buddy. You're not going to die. I tell the guy, back up. So I grab the door, but it's mangled from the crash, so it's intertwined with the car. So I break the window. We break some of the window out, and it's almost broke. I'm... I'm not like beeping Captain America. So I'm pulling all the shattered glass and I take the kid through the window. In the front is a lady who passed away. Brain matter everywhere, blood everywhere. And the kid's going, mama, mama. I go, baba, look at me, look at me. Don't look over there, Schwab continued. He was so young. It would have completely messed him up. I look at the guy and go, get a blanket, cover this mom, cover his mom. The driver was identified as that, 've um Esteban Torres. He actually fled the scene after this accident, too. the California Highway Patrol says he fought officers. He was tasered. He was hogtied. And hopefully, he gets the justice he so rightly deserves delivered to him for that awful accident. I mean, what a traumatic scene! What a traumatic scene. But this, this, now this guy, too, Brandon while this MA fighter, he's leveraging his network. He has this GoFundMe going on, yeah. paying a tribute, this GoFundMe going on, paying a tribute to Amy G. Um, they've raised, uh, of last look here, 40453 They might be even raising more for this family now that he's put out his network, now that you know, shows like ours are, are, are mentioning and are helping this family out. But, man, awful, awful situation.
0: Yeah, it's completely crazy and awful. Thank God he was there to help out those kids, and 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 now he's he's raising this money. So I mean, him being there is 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 a blessing in disguise yeah. for these for the, well not in disguise, but a blessing for these these kids and a tragic tragic event.
1: And, I, and tragic. look, I know most people when they're driving the car, they're not going in the wrong direction, aiming for for trucks. But truck accidents are devastating. All right, yeah. so when you're driving out there, people have been driving. Crazy ever since this pandemic lit up. All you drivers out there tell me that. A lot of you driving out there commuting, you see that people tailgating each other way too close, getting into accidents, hitting trucks, getting rear-ended by them. These can be devastating to, to the driver, to your own family, to people in the cars, to people obviously passing by who come in and yeah. rescue to first responders. Uh. Think. Think a little bit about that. That, yeah.
0: That's my message. Yeah, yeah. use your. Use your we, we've talked about this before. People yeah. are afraid of this. And they're afraid of, of getting a vaccine, but they think nothing about doing 90 miles an hour, a foot
1: from somebody else, reading a text. We, it's as crazy. humans, we have a hard time um, understanding risk sometimes.
0: Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. We get desensitized to it. But hey, here's some bad news, my friend. Yeah. The ever given <laughs> is back in the Suez Canal. Will we get suez <laughs> again, my friend? Will uh. we? I don't know. It hasn't gotten stuck yet, though. And, uh, you know, maybe it won't. There it is. Look, It's almost (laughs) out. Yeah, it's it's in the end. Hey, it's got a bad rap after it passed through there. But it's done it 22 times previously without any issues, So I'm I'm feeling good about this. But we've got some uh, humorless uh, Redditors, and and they had to say a few things about this. Uh, So here we go. So here, first one. So would you expect that because of a single error, the ship will permanently be banned from part of its route? Then why not make another ship with the same specs? Do it instead Or just uh, Relabel the ship In the end All floating bathtubs Are equal Which may be true what well, about this guy? This guy's
1: up. like such a non-story. Imagine if this was the headline: car that broke down on the highway, blocking traffic, now <laughs> repaired and going on the highway again. Who cares? How is this even news? It's news because it costs billions of dollars. It got stuck in the Suez canal. It happened in March. It's it gummed up the supply chain for <laughs> for months. I mean, that's why it's news. And to supply chain nerds like us, we like to make fun of this kind of stuff and think about this kind of stuff and make memes about this kind of stuff. Lighten up, redditor. Yeah, you guys to be cool? It's not
0: a car on the shoulder on fire. It's a oh. ch- across the entire
1: Swiss Canal. Come on. All right, here's a a story. I have dark stories today. This is good news, though. Thomas Ewing, well, it (laughs) starts good news. Thomas Ewing was visiting Portland, Oregon back in February. Uh, He was just trying to get some items delivered back to his apartment uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, over here. Actually, where FedEx is is headquartered. So he's got a piano. He's got a piano. He's got an urn with his late father's ashes. So he goes to FedEx, and he goes, I got to send this stuff to my house. He has everything and it's delivered. Bad news. He decides he's staying in Portland longer. So he contacts FedEx and he says, you know what? I, I need you to hold this stuff and yeah. not deliver it. Too late. They already delivered the Ooh. piano and the package. Um, he says, Ewing says, I thought, uh, uh-oh, big issue because I've been out of town for the last seven days. I live in a busy apartment complex and this big piano box, which says piano on the front of it, has been sitting in front of my door Steinway for seven son. days. <laughs> However, you know, he gets home seven days later, the goods had been stolen, both the piano and the urn with his ashes, Eddie he contacted FedEx, and because it was delivered, it was against their policy. They're not responsible. So he's up a creek, and it's an unfortunate circumstance for uh, this gentleman. But i got to say, for the thief out there, you steal someone's ashes, right? And yeah. I know you're a thief. You're probably yeah. amoral, or, or maybe you're in some terrible circumstance where you just got to sell pianos to feed your family. I don't know what it is. But you steal someone's urn with the ashes. Can you at least bring it back? Like, can you just sneak it back and, like, th- yeah, yeah, yeah. put it on the doorstep or on the nail slot? Return it, no questions like, asked. Like, what are you doing with someone's ashes? <laughs> I, 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 Come on. <laughs> It was a good start. Take us home with something good. <laughs> all right. So let's talk
0: about this. So here's the bad news. According yeah. to the Washington Post, Abby the dog disappeared in Dothan, Alabama, mm. right? And, and so June Roundtree and her husband, all they found was a collar and an empty tie-out line in her yard, right? They searched the neighborhood forever for this four-year-old dog uh, that they loved, and to no avail. They don't yeah. find anything, right? so But here's the good news, my friend. Mm-hmm. Three weeks pass. And uh, June is working her job at uh, at the uh, Walmart, local Walmart, at the register, and she hears a commotion inside this inside the store. Yeah. There's people trying to corral this dog that then runs up to her register, and it's her dog. Oh, the dog was not trying to check out hey. with any dog bones; he hey. was checking
1: in with mama. Welcome back, doggy. You know, right dogs, on. I'll tell you something. So, dogs, you, you like you hear stories about these sometimes, like dogs that go miles and miles away and they yeah. find their families. So um we used to we used to live um uh, over on cherokee boulevard right yeah and there's a dog treat store over there and now we live like two miles away from there well my wife was walking our our dog uh mm-hmm. the other day and the dog decides to sometimes the dog would just lead her on where she wants to go sure the dog led her all the way from our new location to that that they that uh, pet going, store man. over at warehouse row they know i know Paying i don't know, know exactly how they know but i guess they got better sense of direction just looking than me. out the window in the car yeah, I guess so. so hey, wait a minute. I know where that, that is. Place. I know that like. place is. Yeah. Let me watch how we get here. I've taken an Uber over there a time or two. There yeah. <laughs> you go. <laughs> well, it's been a great week on What the Truck. Thank you for joining us on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern time. You want all of our back episodes. Look up What the Truck wherever you get your podcasts or look up FreightCast. Get a full trail load of FreightWaves podcasts all on one convenient feed. Or if you want to watch our beautiful model-like faces, you can download the FreightWaves TV app and see us in stunning, beautiful HD as well as all of our other FreightWaves shows. Subscribe to the What Truck Newsletter, prayways.com slash WTT. you get it every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Other than that, we'll catch you Monday, noon Eastern Time. Tell them how to be this weekend.
0: Peace and love, everybody. Spread it everywhere.